whenever the board connects pretty well with your opponent's ranges, typically you can at least consider betting on the larger side when you're betting somewhat infrequently. And I do think this is a spot where Tom Dwan's going to be betting somewhat infrequently, mostly with his best hands and his draws. Hello everyone, I'm Jonathan Little. I'm here today with episode 336 of Weekly Poker Hand. We have an interesting spot from a 400-800 No Limit Texas Hold'em match. This was played on High Stakes Poker on Poker Go. If you want to watch the full episode, make sure you check that out at PokerGo.com. Also, they have new episodes of Poker After Dark, where I have strategy segments in many of the episodes. So make sure you check out the new episodes of Poker After Dark as well. Here we have Tom Dwan. You all know Tom Dwan, generally loose, aggressive, splashy player. That said, he was way more tame in this uh, episode compared to last time we played on High Stakes Poker where he was really blasting. He raises it up with pocket jacks, which is certainly fine and standard. Over around to Michael Schwimmer, who used to be a Major League Baseball pitcher for the Phillies. He has 10-9 suited. This is a great hand to call with. You could also 3-bet it. We are playing very, very deep stacked, as you see, 230 big blinds. So 230 big blinds deep with 10-9 suited on the button. Re-raising is fine. If you get four of that, you can call and just try to flop a really good hand. But I typically just call in this spot for the most part. Um, whenever you are in position, usually you're going to realize your equity very well. And, um, you know, it's nice to be able to splash around a bit whenever you are last to act. So he does call. Jean-Robert Blonde, also known to be a little bit splashy from time to time. He has ace-eight offsuit in the small blind. This would be a very bad time to be splashy. When you're facing an initial raise and a call, usually someone's going to have an ace, usually with a better kicker than your eight, and someone's going to have some sort of pair, suited connected hand that flops very, very well, to the point that you're going to be super dominated in this scenario. We see this time he has uh, the ace as live outs because nobody else has an ace, but he doesn't know that. From the small blind here, you just have to fold. If you are going to play this hand, if you had to play it, I would definitely tend to re-raise it as a bluff to about $12,000 over the $2,500 raise and call. That said, I would I would definitely just fold this hand pretty much every time. Bren Kenny, very strong, world-class tournament player and cash game player with King Nine Hearts in the big blind. This seems like a great spot to call as well, which he does. So far, everything seems nice and standard. Flop comes, 10 of spades. I'm sorry, not 10 of spades, 10 of clubs. Nine of spades, two of spades. Bryn Kenny with middle pair out of position as an easy check. And now Tom Dwan with his overpair definitely wants to make a continuation bet. Typically on the very coordinated boards, you want to be betting with your best hands that are susceptible to being outdrawn, like these pocket jacks. Notice any ace, king, queen, 10, nine, spade, eight, seven, right? Like any of these cards could be very, very bad for Tom Dwan but he probably has the best hand at the moment. I realize he doesn't have the best hand at the moment because Michael Schwimmer has 10-9 for top two pair, but this is a spot where Tom Dwan's pocket jacks are best most of the time, so he just wants to bet and get money in the pot and extract value from the worst hands. So I like a two-thirds pot bet or so. Pot's 8,700. Tom Dwan goes 5,500, about two-thirds pot. I actually don't hate even a little bit bigger. If you wanted to go 7,000, that's probably reasonable too because the board is... Very coordinated with the 10 and the 9 being on the board and a flush draw available. Um, whenever the board connects pretty well with your opponent's ranges, typically you can at least consider betting on the larger side when you're betting somewhat infrequently. And I do think this is a spot where Tom Dwan's going to be betting somewhat infrequently, mostly with his best hands and his draws. Um, I actually discussed this thoroughly at PokerCoaching.com. We have a cash game masterclass. Make sure you check that out at PokerCoaching.com. You can get 
a free trial membership at pokercoaching.com slash free. So make sure you check that out. Anyway, Tom Duan does go for the bet. Now for Michael Schwimmer, he elects to raise to 17,000. Kind of like how Tom Duan wants to be betting his best made hands and his draws. Michael Schwimmer wants to be raising with his best made hands and his draws. And this top two pair is definitely one of his best made hands. And it is somewhat vulnerable to being outdrawn. Notice in this scenario, if um, Bryn Kenny happened to get a king, he would have the best hand. And if Tom Dwan got a jack or two, he would have the best hand. Also, Michael doesn't know what he's against, so maybe sometimes the straight cards give him the worst hand. Maybe sometimes the spades give him the worst hand. He doesn't know. So this is a spot where he wants to raise very, very clearly. And I like his 17,000 raise. I think this is nice. Bryn Kenny with his middle pair has an easy fold now. And back to Tom Dwan. This is a tough spot where... I want you to tell me what you would do in this scenario. Take a second, think about it. Obviously, we don't know Michael Schwimmer has 10-9. We just know that he is generally active, generally playing a lot of pots. In this scenario, would you fold, call, re-raise to 50,000, or go all in for Michael's 164,000 more? Take a second and write it in the comments below. Doing this will go a long way to helping you improve your poker skills. Okay, did you do it? Going through this active learning process forces you to think about these scenarios in a very engaged way. And this will help you learn substantially faster, much, much faster, compared to if you're just sitting back and hanging out and watching the video. So I hope you did it. Hope you are committing to making yourself a better poker player. This is a spot where I think Tom Dwan has to stick around. He has to call. It's an annoying spot because Whenever you do get raised here, you are losing to the majority of Michael Schwimmer's better made hands. You may beat like ace-10 or king-10 every once in a while, but for the most part, you, you lose to the made hands. Um, in terms of the draws, those draws that Michael could reasonably have, usually the straight draws, flush draws, straight and flush draws, etc., they all have a pretty good amount of equity, and you don't actually know which one you have to worry about. Like, let's say the turn is the three of spades, and Michael has king-jack of clubs for a gut shot and two over cards. Well, if he keeps blasting it on that spade and then he bets again on the river, you're probably going to end up folding out your pocket jacks incorrectly, right? So this is a spot where Tom Dwan's going to end up playing this hand kind of poorly, not because Tom Dwan's a bad player, but because everyone's going to play the spot poorly in this scenario because uh, you're just going to end up folding out the best hand some portion of the time. And if you just happen to call down every single time, then you're going to pay off inappropriately, right? So anyway, this is a spot where I think Tom's only option is to call. If he re-raises, so let's say 50,000, and faces an all-in. We don't know what Michael Schwimmer's doing. Maybe he's jamming it here with the straight draws, the flush draws. Who knows? That's not really a spot you want to be blasting it all in for 200-something big blinds. And you also don't want to make a giant all-in either because then Michael's going to call off very well with his better-made hands. So this is a spot where Tom Dewan's only option is to call. If you knew Michael was very, very weak and very, very tight and very, very passive, maybe you could just fold immediately, but you're not trying to fold this in general. Turn is the four of clubs, which is a very, very safe card for Tom. He checks. Michael continues betting 33,000 into the 43,000 pot, leaving himself 130 behind. This is a similar spot to on the flop where Tom is beating the made hands, losing, I'm sorry, losing to the made hands and beating the draws. And he's probably going to play well enough on the river. Whenever a safe card comes on the river, he can somewhat reasonably check call it off. Whenever a bad card, 
um, that completes the straights or flushes comes on the river, he can usually check and fold. So I think this is a spot where Tom has another pretty reasonable spot to call. Now, very, very interesting. In this hand, so far on the flop, everyone played normally. No one did anything out of line. On the turn, though, on the turn, after Tom checks, Michael Schwimmer says, no draws has to be good for me, I think. And then he makes the bet. He is speaking incredibly honestly here. You're going to find that there are some poker players at the table who speak incredibly honestly basically all the time. I'm not saying that's necessarily what Michael does. I have, don't have any experience with him, and I have not seen a ton of hands with him play. But, is that even English? I have not seen him play a ton of hands. Um, speaking like Yoda over here, I guess. Um, in this scenario, whenever people say something honestly or say something, and then they make a big bet right after it, usually it is going to be somewhat face-up. Not always, but usually. So, if he's saying, no draws, that has to be good for me, probably is. That means that he probably has a made hand that he's he's putting money in with. The problem, though, is that Tom still does beat some potentially overvalued hands, like Ace-10 and King-10, like we mentioned. So anyway, he bets. Then um, Schwimmer says, do you guys run it twice here? Can we run it two times? Um, kind of a weird statement. I'm not sure exactly what that means. Um, John Robert Blonde says, just like a cash game. So you can run it twice if they feel like it. Anyway, Tom then calls. Fine. I like Tom's call. River's an ace. And now, when the ace comes, Michael says, ooh, I don't like that card. Tom Dwan checks. And then Michael Schwimmer bets $20,000. $20,000 sounds like a lot, but when the pot's 109000 a pretty small bet, right? This gives Tom Dwan amazing, amazing, amazing pot odds. And this is always a really difficult spot because when people make this small bet, they almost always, almost always have a very marginal made hand that they think is good. It's usually not the nuts, right? It's usually not a set. It's usually not um, top two pair. Usually this is going to be something like, well, what it is, 10-9, or a worse made hand that is betting thinly for value. Now, how will your opponent proceed if you respond with aggression? If Tom Dwan check raises all in here, will he ever be able to get Michael Schwimmer to fold out these two pair? I don't think so. Some people will, some people won't. Um, they made some small talk after the hand where Michael basically said, yeah, if you check shove all in, I would have ended up calling off. Um, so this is a spot where if you think your opponent will not fold, the question then becomes, am I good here often enough to justify calling? Let me just show you how you figure out how often you need to be good here to justify calling. Notice here in this scenario, Tom Dwan has to put in 20,000, right? So let's see, let me show you the calculator here. There we go, we have a calculator. He has to put in 20,000 to win a pot that will be a total of what? The pot was 109 plus Michael's 20 plus Tom's 20. So it'll be 149, right? 120 divided by 149 equals 13% of the time. So Tom Dwan needs to have the best hand in this scenario 14% of the time or more to justify calling. And I think this may be one of those spots where you're just not good 14% of the time. Unless, of course, Michael is a little bit more splashy, a little bit more creative than I think a generic player will be. Um, 
That said, Michael is a professional baseball player, or used to be, and he seems to get in there and battle. If you know your opponent likes to get in there and battle, they're going to be doing ridiculous stuff every once in a while. And for all we know, they may have a hand like King-Queen they decide to get really fancy with. Or maybe they have 8-7 or Jack-8 that they decide to get really, really fancy with and use a small bluff. I think almost always when people use a small bet size, it is going to be for value. The problem, though, is what does almost always mean? Does almost always mean 95% of the time they have a better value hand? Or does it mean eh, 80% of the time? If it's 80%, Tom Dwan has a call in this scenario. But if it's 95%, he has a fold. The nice thing about calling in this spot is you get information. Information is very, very relevant. If you see Michael show up with a hand like 10-9 in this scenario virtually every time, well, then you know, okay, we're supposed to start folding out in this spot in the future. And as you see how more players play this spot in general, you'll figure out, should I be calling in these spots or should I not? Anyway, tough spot for Tom Dwan. Um, I don't know what I would have done here. I probably just end up paying. I'm a bit of a calling station in these spots. Um, however, if you know people in your games literally do bluff here, like never, like, or like 5% of the time, you should fold and you should save that extra 20k. This time Tom actually does pay him off, and uh, Schwimmer said, see, I got an extra 20,000 out of it, right? And he did. <laughs> that said, it's, uh, it's an interesting spot where you sort of announce your hand with your bet sizing, and then in this scenario, Michael certainly did announce his bet size, or his bet his hand strength with his bet size, right? So when he announces his hand strength with the bet size, it puts him in an interesting spot if Tom actually does check raise all in. Uh, there was some small talk after the hand about how old Tom Dwan would have check shoved you all in in that scenario. And um, certainly would have put Michael in a dicey spot, right? And if he calls it off in that spot every time, well, depending on what Tom's range actually is, he's either making good calls or bad calls. But if Tom correctly assesses the level that Michael is on, like he's going to call every time or fold every time. If he knows that, then that will result in Tom being able to play this spot very, very well. You have to be very careful against world-class players or even decent players turning your hand up with your bet size, like Michael probably did in this scenario. Again, probably maybe Michael's perfectly balanced and he's bluffing the accurate portion of the time. Who knows? But if he's not, that puts him in a spot where he could be exploited for a lot of money. So that's going to be it for today. I hope you enjoyed this hand from High Stakes Poker. Again, you can watch the full episode on Poker Go. Make sure you check that out. If you enjoyed this video, click like, click subscribe. I would appreciate it. Good luck in your games. Have a great, great week, and I'll talk to you next time. Thanks for taking the time to watch this video. I hope you enjoyed it. If you want more strategy lessons, preflop charts, and interactive quizzes, make sure you get your free membership to PokerCoaching.com right now at PokerCoaching.com slash free. I'll talk to you next time.